This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to a special edition. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the editor-in-chief and founder of Retail Insider, and we're here today with Lisa Hutchinson. She's the managing partner of Toronto-based J.C. Williams Group, which is a very well-known consultancy uh, specialized in the retail space and, uh, and related uh, things and uh, has been around since you're saying 1974. Yeah, the firm has been around since 1974. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was started by John Williams, who is an icon in Canadian retail, uh, who left us far too soon in 2019. Um, And myself and my business partner, Patrick Watt, acquired the firm um, in 2019. But I've been with the firm for, gosh, almost 15 years now doing retail consulting. So it's been amazing. And, you know, we're just really thrilled to be able to carry on John's legacy. Absolutely. And now JC Williams Group is part of the Ebeltoff Group, which has also been around for a while, or about 20 year, more, yeah, 30, 25 or more? 25 years. Yeah. 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 Which is, I think it described as it's a conglomerate of consultancies globally. It is a global group of retail consultants who do sort of similar work to us. Uh, there are 18 member countries. And so we get together on a regular basis. Unfortunately, we just missed our annual uh, spring trip last year that was scheduled uh, just before uh, the pandemic hit. But we typically meet twice a year in a different country. But we have partner meetings quarterly that we meet up and we have conversations about what's happening around the world. Of course, in 2020 with the pandemic, it was uh, every month we were having conversations with regards to what's happening, what's best practice, what's every country doing, what are we seeing happening? And so that was a really great resource for us to tap into to see best practices around the world. And so we've been um, really collaborating on projects, collaborating on studies, and um, certainly 2020 was no different. But for the last, gosh, well over 20 years, we've actually been collecting this best practice research in terms of what's happening, what's fresh, what's cool, what's innovative. And we've been putting it into some sort of assemblance. And around 15, 16 years ago, we started to compile it into a book. And uh, it was a physical book and in combination with an ebook. And this year we are launching our 16th version of the retail uh, trends and innovations book. And so we are really excited about it because every year the cases just get more and more interesting. And, you know, we find them, the case studies just so motivational and exciting because they're so translatable into other sectors. So, you know, if something may be in hardware it may be very, you know, we may be able to implement it into grocery or if something's in grocery, we may be able to put it into home improvement. And so it just really starts to help us see all these incredible opportunities and the innovation that we've seen in 2020 has been extraordinary. Um, So yeah, thrilled to be here talking a little bit about that. And they say that 2020 with the pandemic has accelerated uh, some of those trends in terms of moving into the future with tech. Uh, Is that something that you've observed as part of the Ebeltoff group looking at international trends? Absolutely. You know, certainly this sort of seamless omni integration of technology has been such a vital piece of driving innovation. 
you know, it's a way for customers to stay connected with brands, um, whether that's through social media or even through, you know, just the buying process or the, or the ordering process or the delivery process. It's been such a huge piece of the innovation and some of the new things that we've seen that are driving, you know, or keeping the customer experience really still very positive. Now, there was a winner in the book, and this winner happened to be Canadian. I know. So (laughs) exciting. It's so exciting. So every year, um, basically what happens with the book is that every member country presents you know, some case studies they think are really interesting things that we've seen, not necessarily just in our country, you know, we may have seen them somewhere else, um, usually if we're traveling. So there was a little less of that this year. Um, But yeah, we, we, uh, in Canada, we submitted uh, two cases and both have made it into the book, as well as uh, our case was the winning case, which was really excited. Um, But basically what happens is all the member countries submit, you know, a series of case studies and there's always a group that reads all the case studies and sort of adjudicates them, if you will, and puts them into categories. And so there's four key categories. And then, yeah, we always pick one winner in this year. It was Grocery Neighbor which is a new form of grocery store that's basically a grocery store on wheels. Um, Imagine an 18-wheeler that pulls into your neighborhood, your church parking lot, or, you know, a vacant piece of land somewhere, and the grocery store arrived. And it's automated other than the driver who, you know, uh, is there to help facilitate if required, but it's completely automated. And, And it's not just you know, delivering what you ordered, you can actually go and shop this, this, uh, you know, back of the truck, if you will, but it's, it looks like a store inside. It looks like sort of your neighborhood grocery store. And, you know, it's got, it's infused with technology and they're getting ready to roll out. So it's, it's a pretty exciting concept. Wow. This could be disruptive to uh, some of the grocery retailers uh, in the, in the country for sure. Yeah. And other retail, other sectors as well. You know, we're seeing, um, you know, I've, I've, we've been seeing some ladies that do fashion, um, this mobile fashion truck. So very kind of similar. And it just allows them to have the flexibility to go where their customers are. They can go to events. Um, the thing with the grocery, re- grocery neighbor is that, you know, they can really partner with local farmers to have fresh produce because, you know, they're, you know, they'll, they can go to a depot, but they can also, um, like I said, partner with these local, um, whether it's produce or, you know, maybe it's even specialty recipes and baked goods, you know, they can certainly have that fresh partnership, which is really exciting as well. Oh, wow. No, I, I, going to make an effort to try to uh, shop this at some point when it starts rolling through Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting. You know, and the other thing, you know, so it's all um, with with an app. And so you can, you know, when the app, you, the app will notify you too. So even if you, you know, if you sign up for, um, you know, to be, to, to be notified, you know, even if you don't have, you know, an order that you're, you're getting, you get notification through the app of when the truck is going to be in the area. So I think it's going to be quite disruptive um, outside of major cities. 
you know, that, that grocery shopping may be far away. And so, um, and I, I just really love the idea of the, you know, partnering with local farms and bakeries and, you know, people baking at their homes and butchers and having really fresh product. I think it's an amazing concept. Oh, no, I look forward to this, um, even though I am in the big city, but <laughs> yeah, it'll give you a reason to travel out, 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 to the, out to the country. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So no, the, the, uh, the evil top book actually breaks, uh, well, breaks things down into four different categories. Let's let's get into that. Mm-hmm. The first one was Omni Integration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Omni Integration, you know, like I said, technology has been a real enabler for the success of retailers. And those that weren't, unfortunately, are part of the story that we hear when somebody's not met, hasn't made it. Um, and 2020 was definitely a tough year for that. But when you think about Omni Integration, you want to think about omni-channel, you know, we're not even thinking multi-channel, you know, we're all, like, it's really just omni-channel. We can't even think in, in a multi-channel perspective anymore, but it's really thinking about how technology integration reduces friction and makes it a seamless experience for customers. So certainly COVID-19 sped up the need for technology and adaptations, um, you know, digital innovation was the way for the customers to stay connected. To, the, to their brands. And this was a way for those brands to still, you know, get their message out, talk to the customer. Um, and still, you know, we're seeing brands that quickly jumped into um, virtual associates and virtual shopping and just being able to um, not make it just about a physical world, but really that physical and digital worlds you know, just being able to connect with their customer on any channel at any time of the day, anywhere the customer is, um, is really what we saw the success this year. It's really encompassing that whole offline, offline, online experience. Yeah. And I think what's driving that even as well, I mean, the technology through Amazon, uh, uh, the ease of technology through things like Apple, if, if people use that, it seems like it's almost like tech firms are driving retail to a degree, at, at least from an omni-channel perspective in a situation where there isn't pure physical retail, which at this point is going to be less and less uh, common. Yeah. I mean, physical retail is certainly going to be here, but it, it you know, it gives, it allows much more um, access, you know, it really opens up the 24 seven and allows, you know, even with the use of robotics and technology, um, you know, there, there's this great example in the book from Italy called Worth, and it is a 24 um, uh, seven home improvement store. You know, and, and it really, it does exactly that. It carries 2000 SKUs, um, it does have the ability to access other inventory, but it's really 24-7 hardware store. And um, although I'm not super handy, um, but, you know, there's nothing worse than tackling a home improvement product project. And then guess what happens? You know, inevitably, right after the five minutes after the store closes is when you need to have, you know, the extra little tool. And then all of a sudden you can't do something. So, you know, being able to have access to something 24-7 has really been important. And so, you know, they, they've come up with this, you know, you, you scan your QR code and this, the robotics brings the products from the store 
you know, throughout to the customer. So I think it's really going to change. And it's really, you know, we sort of first saw it in Amazon Go. And now we're starting to see these other applications of that same technology. Um, and I, I think that's what I was saying before in terms of the book is, you know, don't read the book and say, oh, that's home improvement. That has nothing to do with my category. See it through a new lens in terms of what, how they're implementing it and how it could support a new strategy or an add-on to your strategy. No, it makes sense. I got to look forward to a 24 hour because <laughs> I needed a plumbing thing last week. And uh, in, in the case of Ontario, we're in a lockdown where you have to order right. ahead of time and say Canadian tire. Yeah. You don't get it 10 minutes later. They, they give you up to two days later. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I had exactly the same thing happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel <laughs> sharing some pain here with the retail situation because we, we, we haven't seen quite the same innovation. But and, and it brings us to the next one, extreme convenience. Oh, right. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting because extreme convenience is really, a, again, it's very similar in terms of this whole need for no to take eliminate fiction of uh, friction. Pardon me. Um, and but it's those pain points and wanting something on demand. And so, you know, it's really um, escalating and, and making it more prominent that the customer wants things faster and more efficiently than ever before. You know, I think certainly in the early days of 2020, as, you know, retailers were sort of struggling as to how to service their customer, um, you know, customers were a little bit more forgiving, but they, now that retailers are fit, figuring it out, they, they want it faster and they don't want to have that. They don't want to have to experience that friction. And so this is where, you know, this whole notion of convenience can come in. So, but at the same time, they want things delivered safe, you know, fast and convenient doesn't mean, you know, that they can't have those same safety protocols. So it's really important that um, retailers think of that. And so we're really seeing a lot of, um, you know, this is where we're seeing robots. You know, we're seeing a lot of them. Last year, we presented in the book, a Starship Technologies. And they are this sort of, you know, mini ATV, um, eight-wheeler that's used for food delivery and small packages. You know, and so we're certainly seeing much more in terms of the convenience and, you know, this use of, um, of robotics. And so, you know, we... We presented um, a concept called RC Coffee, um, which I think is kind of close to you. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, and it's even though it's, it's a full service cafe through the Dark Horse Cafe folks, um, but it is this, you know, amped up amazing coffee, automated coffee experience that is not just your average vending machine, but it's really... Um, it really has challenged customers' expectations or perceptions of what a vending machine is for coffee. So it's really premium coffee too. You know, it's not just vending machine coffee that you think about in a waiting room somewhere. You know, it's, it's, it's all about um, that contactless experience as well for those that want something convenient, but also you know, or concerned with the safety protocols. So that's a really cool concept that we're seeing. And I see it translating very well in terms of being able to support customers 24 seven. 
Yeah, no, and I, I still have to try it, actually. <laughs> it's on, there's one on Bay Street uh, between Cumberland and Yorkville Ave in Toronto. Uh, no, interesting that it, it won. And in terms of experience, I mean, we'll get into that. That's also another category here. But the, the RC Coffee actually has a little showroom. It's funny, though, you can't sit in it, even though I sat in it because I met with the owner uh, or with the head of the technology there. And we did an interview back when COVID cases weren't so high. And <laughs> those were the days. But uh, very interesting in terms of the way it looks. It looks historical, actually, even though it's a new build, like it wasn't there a few months ago and it looks like it had been there since the 1920s. Yeah, yeah, it's it, they've done a great job. Oh, yeah. And so again, in the Evil Top book, the next, the third category discussed was um, extreme convenience. Extreme oh, experience. I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong thing yeah. here. It's yeah. <laughs> extreme. No, con- I know. Experience. Two extremes. <laughs> we've, we've got two extremes because it's not just enough to say experience. Uh, it's about extreme experience. And, you know, so certainly before the virus outbreak, it was a trend that we were seeing. It was actually highlighted last year as well. Um, But, you know, especially for us in Toronto that have not been able to have much freedom since Boxing Day, you know, we're really starting to recognize how much as humans we crave physical experiences and that whole human interaction. So I think that extreme experience is going to be something we really see. I mean, we, we were seeing as we were assembling the book, but I think it's really the way that retailers can differentiate themselves is, you know, so as once we figure out around, you know, how we can interact with each other as humans through COVID-19, you know, we certainly want to be able to think about what extreme experience is going to mean. And that means, you know, amplification of your brand. But with a lockdown, it also is very much about social sharing. And so ways that we can still communicate, like even through Zoom, you know, there is that whole connection when you actually can see somebody and see their body language, you know, even just from a work perspective, you know, calls that I used to take, we just take them on Zoom now. Like, you know, even pre-pandemic, you know, sometimes I would have calls with people and and we would just have a telephone call. And now we're like, we just have Zoom. And, you know, so it's, it's really shown us how important this understanding the human connection is. And so we're, and so there's that emotional piece. And so certainly it's about you know, again, not in a pandemic, it's about lingering too. So what are the kinds of experiences that you can do to bring the customer to linger in your space? And so, you know, I think that um, people are going to be craving that and it'll be that connection of, you know, the digital, but what that that experience can actually mean to people. And I think, you know, we're seeing uh, people wanting experience you know experiential gifts um, and not just stuff and I think we need to be thinking about stores and brand experience Um, I think it's going to be really really probably one of the main drivers as we move forward 
It makes sense. And one example uh, in in the book is a retailer which is expanding all across Canada. They're going to be announcing, I think, a Vancouver location soon. It's Mm -hmm. uh, the French sporting good retailer Decathlon, which Mm -hmm. is the largest sporting goods retailer in the world. Some have called it the IKEA of sporting goods, mainly for the fact that they do their own private label stuff that is, you know, reasonably priced. It's made to be affordable. They're trying to bring sports to the masses, but their stores also are very highly experiential. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's a great example of one. I think the other piece is, you know, we're even seeing brands that are, you know, that aren't clothing. You know, there's there's one in the book about a, um, a chewing gum brand that their packaging, you know, has a QR code that then takes to some gamification and some other brand building within an app on your phone. And so I think that there are other ways to still keep those same connections And I think, you know, that's what we've really seen demonstrated by a lot of brands is the ones that were really quick to step in and and still have connection with their customers. Yeah. And Gucci did something interesting and a little unusual Mm -hmm. where virtual fashion. (laughs) Yeah, very much so In, in sort of this tennis, you know, it's sort of this whole collaboration of their sports lux, they're calling it. And uh, yeah, so it was a, it's a really cool thing. So it's really, again, a, a whole in-game experience that offers players the chance to discover exclusive Gucci products and then match them in like their tennis character. Um, you know, they dress them up digitally and they have this whole game and this tennis clash, they call it. So, and they call it the Gucci open. And so it's super fun. You know, it's a way when people are looking for other kinds of escapes and so on, and it's a way for them to interact with their brand. So it gave, you know, gave their fans a distraction from the everyday by able to, um, you know, having fun, some fun with the brand. Yeah, and people are paying money for these virtual Gucci clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah. really exciting. Yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because the prices were about what you'd pay for a real Gucci outfit, even though you're not wearing it on your own body. It's, I, I thought it was interesting. I, I read a bit about this recently. <laughs> Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, and then, well, now virtual fashion might be arguably sustainable, uh, mainly because it (laughs) doesn't exist physically, but uh, the fourth section of of the book was about uh, sustainable practices generally. One of the retailers certainly talked about uh, is IKEA, which has stores across the country here in Canada, as well as globally, of course. But uh, tell me a little bit about uh, the uh, examination of sustainability in retail. Well, sustainability, I think, is also going to continue to be very, very strong. In fact, again, with our with the Abletoff partners, we're actually um, watch out. We actually have a big webinar coming that we've done a big research project across uh, a global retail project um, with our partners out of Spain leading the way. And so we actually um, I think we're targeting early March for a webinar for that. But, you know, I really think that people are understanding um, the the importance of sustainability and, you know, brands with a purpose and there's, you know, whole conscious consumption piece. And so the IKEA one's really interesting because not only is it IKEA that is offering the secondhand shop of IKEA products, you know, but it's also positioned in a mall in, in um, Sweden and uh, called the Rotunda Mall. 
Rotunum shopping center, I believe it's called. And every store in that shopping center has uh, only, they, they all offer just upcycled or recycled products. So there's, you won't go in there and see a retailer that has new goods. So I really think that it's a really interesting idea. So, you know, the sole, um, you know, Ikea, of course, as I said, is all Ikea products. And so you can buy, you know, the bookshelves and cutlery, you know, you can buy pretty much anything. And if anything's been damaged, it's been repaired and you'll just get it at a lower price. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's kind of a really interesting that, you know, they're really seeing the importance, particularly because, you know, sometimes their stuff isn't as durable as others. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they're certainly taking this um, very seriously. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, there was another one I saw that was one of my favorites, which was called Ugly Fruit. And it was a company out of Switzerland. And it was this retailer that sells unwanted ugly fruit online, which I thought was so fun. So the company really just sells this, you know, through their online channel. They sell, you know, organic vegetables and fruits that maybe are not as pretty as others um, to sit, you know, beautifully merchandised in a store. And so the customer can, you know, buy this, you know, they actually have fun with it and say, you know, buy an ugly gift. And they put together these gift baskets that you can send to a friend. <laughs> so it's really kind of fun. And, and the other thing, you know, they don't lose the, they don't use the same plastics that you do when you go to a grocery shop store where you put everything in your, all your produce, all in its individual plastic bags. So it's really kind of got a fun, um, fun aspect to it as well. Yeah. And we've seen that certainly that trend in Canada, Loblaws have seen, uh, I think it was Loblaws that had uh, kind of you know, the ugly fruit and vegetable. Mm -hmm. Especially offer. in their frozen section, yeah. you know, they yeah. do have, yeah. Um, yeah. they do have that as well. So I think it's kind of fun to see some of these, some of these ideas. And, you know, I always look forward to hearing about the stories throughout the year. And then, you know, as soon as the book comes out, it's like my weekend reading to make sure I go through every single case. We, we get a bit of a sneak peek because we get to see some of them in advance and we get to vote on them sometimes about who's going to be the winning case study. Um, but it's, it's a great it's a great inspirational read. And, uh, you know, I'm biased, but I highly recommend it. And people can just pop over. It's free. Um, any of the listeners can just pop over to our website at uh, jcwg.com and they can uh, pop in and uh, it's a free download. So they can just pop over and pick it up. And certainly I will um, post it if anybody wants to reach out to me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and Instagram. So if anybody wants to pop over to me and I'm happy to send a link off as well. Excellent. And we'll put a link in the uh, bio uh, yourself, JC Williams group, all that stuff linked to the awesome. uh, the book as well. Make sure that people can get it because uh, uh, no, it's a great read and it's great that it's free. So um, it's fun because really you get to see, you know, retail innovation around the world because it gives a bit of an insight into the future. You know, Canada is a great place to live, but we're not sometimes the most innovative in terms of uh, retail. You see places in, you know, Asia doing amazing stuff. Uh, John, I was talking to John Torella, I think well, it actually was at John's funeral and he had just come back from uh, mm -hmm. South Korea and he was gushing yeah. about, you know, the retail. He said, even the small retailers are adopting, you know, the, the coolest digital screens, uh, you know, the, the latest payment technologies, uh, you know, things are really moving uh, in some parts of the world. 
Yeah. 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 I was supposed to go on that trip too, but ah. um, it was unfortunate uh, because of, of this, of the timing, but yeah, that was just one of the trips, you know, we go to these fabulous places and we have some of our sponsor um, members that, you know, give us behind the scenes tours and, and some really great insight into some of these retailers. So it is an amazing opportunity to see um, the best of the best retail. Excellent. Excellent. And I look forward for the, look forward to the 2022 edition because as we said, the world is changing very quickly. And I, I think that, you know, we did see obviously retail innovation, well, for at least the 16 years that this book has been out, the Evil Toft book, but uh, uh, things are moving uh, fast and furious into the future now, I think more than we've ever seen it. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what comes about next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anybody wanting to nominate and, you know, share with us what's happening. We'd love to hear too. Oh, excellent. So thank you so much. This has been Lisa Hutchinson. She's the managing partner at JC Williams Group, a Toronto-based uh, consultancy, which has been around for about 46 years in total, the uh, firm as it, as it stands. And I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the editor-in-chief and founder of Retail Insider. Thank you so much for listening and take care. And that's another guest interview podcast by Retail Insider. Please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and we'd appreciate it if you left a review with your podcast provider to help others find us too. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning and it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website retail-insider.com you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. Thank you everyone for listening and until next time.